0: Let's pray together. Help us, O Lord, to learn the truth your word imparts, to study that your laws may be inscribed on our hearts. Help us, O Lord, to live the faith we proclaim, that our thoughts and words and deeds may glorify your name. Help us, O Lord, to teach the beauty of your ways, that yearning souls may find the Christ and sing aloud his praise. Help us, O Lord, to teach the beauty of your ways, that all who seek may find the Christ and make a life of praise to him. Amen. Amen. Well, about six years ago, I hosted our family Christmas for the first time. I don't know if um, you are the host of Christmas in your household. Um, if you are, I don't you know if you remember the first time that you took on that mantle. At the time I was living in Dorset, I had a bigger manse there than I have here, and so that I could get all the family in. Get, my parents came, my auntie, uh, my sister and brother-in-law, my brother and his partner, and we all packed into this house. And I spent weeks getting ready. I made sure that the house was spotless. I cleaned, uh, you know, the skirting boards, on top of cupboards, I cleared out cupboards. I'm not sure what I thought my family were going to do, go around with a, you know, a white glove on and test every surface. Of course they didn't, but I really wanted to make sure that everything would be perfect. prepared the bedrooms, I put flowers in each of the rooms, I made sure I had all the different types of tea that everybody likes to have. We're a bit particular in my family, I have to say. I made sure that I thought about what we would eat for breakfast and for lunch, um, and of course there was the Christmas lunch itself. Although I had help with that one, I have to say, my mum did most of the Christmas lunch cooking. In my defense, I was taking services that morning. And even with my mum taking on Christmas lunch, I ran myself ragged getting everything ready, to the point that by the time that everybody arrived, I was just exhausted. And it was, took a real effort on my behalf not to point out all the things that I had done to prepare the house for their arrival. I really wanted some recognition for how hard I had been working. In reality, I actually wasn't a very good host. Well, not at the beginning anyway. I'm pleased to say that I did relax uh, once we'd all got there and settled in. But we can get caught up like that, can't we? We can spend so much time thinking about what we think it means to be hospitable, what we think we have to do, all those tasks on a to-do list to tick off, a bit like the one that I left for Lansford whilst I was on sabbatical. And when we do that, we forget to pay attention to what's really important, to the people that are there in front of us and spending time and being with them. Well, both of our readings this morning have something to say to us about what it means to be hospitable. The commentaries make it clear that our gospel passage is a difficult one. Well, why is it so challenging, you might ask? It's not full of difficult theology, doesn't talk about the afterlife or eschatology. You might think it's quite straightforward when we first look at it. Well, the fact is that a lot of people simply don't like it, they don't like this story. If you find yourself resonating more with Martha, you might not immediately find a connection with this passage. It might make you uncomfortable. It might create a sense of dis-ease within you. And some of the challenge of this passage as well comes from the way that it's been used throughout history, the way that people have written about it and preached on it. Apparently, historically, this interaction between these two women and Jesus has been used as a way of dictating the ways in which women can be disciples. We can either, we have been told, sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words, or we can serve the men. Those are our two options. Of course, that kind of reading ignores the many other places in the Bible where women serve God in so many different ways. And I would want to argue it's quite a superficial reading of this story too. This isn't a passage about women's discipleship, especially not when there's an either-or approach. Rather, it offers us so much more. It's a commentary on discipleship more generally, yes, of course it is, It talks about what it means to be a follower of God, about where our focus should be. I think there's a message in it for all of us. And then there are others who haven't liked this passage, like Calvin and Meister Eckhart, because they didn't want a congregation full of Marys sitting around listening to Jesus. There's too much to do in the church for that. Now, I'm sure some of my colleagues Uh, might be having some sympathy with that view. There are, of course, a lot of things to do. But I'm not sure that's a valid reason for ignoring this passage either. We are all called, surely, to listen to Jesus first. You may have your own questions or difficulties with this passage, or maybe you love it. Well, wherever you start with it, I hope that today God will speak to you in new ways. I've already said that this passage is about hospitality, and I'm sure that you can see why I started off this sermon talking about my experience of hosting that Christmas. I was very much acting like Martha in this passage, and I'm ashamed to say it's actually a true story. I haven't made it up. (laughs) Like her, I was keeping busy with all those things that needed to be done, rather than paying attention to those in front of me. I suspect I'm not the only one who can relate to Martha. So when Martha gets exasperated with her sister and goes to Jesus to complain, I have some sympathy. I mean, she's right, isn't she? Why isn't Mary helping? I can assure you that if it was my sister who was leaving me to do all the work, I would be complaining too. Tell her to help me, it isn't fair. Well, isn't that uh, the cry of siblings the world over? And we expect Jesus to be on the side of justice, don't we? Standing up for equality, making things fair. But his response to Martha isn't reassurance or to rebuke Mary. Because, of course, that's not really what's going on here. It's not a matter of justice. Jesus offers to Martha a gentle correction. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Let's just pause for a moment here to remind ourselves of the passage from Luke 10 that immediately precedes this, the passage that Lansford preached on last week, the Good Samaritan. Jesus has just told a parable that talks about us um, loving God and loving our neighbor and that that love should work itself out in our actions, that we should indeed serve the needs of others. Our reading from Genesis also highlights the importance of hospitality. Abraham and Sarah are in a time of waiting. They have promised that they will be the parents of a great nation, but many years have passed And they are still waiting to have a child. We heard that passage in our call to worship. And then there are these three men, these strangers that appear. Abraham immediately recognizes them as coming from the Lord. And so he offers them hospitality. He gives them food and drink, the best that he has to offer. And then, once this hospitality has been offered, there is an assurance from these strangers in their midst that Sarah will indeed have the son that God has promised, and soon. Even in the midst of their waiting, Abraham and Sarah practice hospitality. There are many examples from the Bible where hospitality and service are at the forefront of what we're called to offer, of who we are called to be. So let's be clear, Jesus isn't saying here, don't be hospitable, don't serve the needs of others. So if he's not saying that, what is he saying? Well, Martha has got something wrong here. But it's not that she's trying to care for the needs of her guests. It's that she has allowed those acts of service to distract her from what's right in front of her. Martha has invited Jesus into her home. But she attends more to the tasks that need to be done, to the things on her to-do list, than paying attention to Jesus in front of her. She has been distracted by good things, by right things. And we can all do that too, can't we? We can all have a list of things that really need to be done, emails that need to be answered, phone calls that need to be made. We busy ourselves with good and with right things. But are we paying attention to the better thing? That priority which is right in front of us. Are we often distracted from Jesus in our midst? Sometimes it's worthwhile to take a step back, to say, what is the necessary thing here? What is the better thing that Jesus is calling me to now? What are the things that are necessary and better for our discipleship, for our walk with God? We learn here that first and foremost we are called to pay attention to Jesus, to listen to his words, to make time to be in his presence. How often have you intentionally been in the presence of God this week? Of course, God is always with us, but how often are we with God? Let's not forget to pay attention to the people around us too, that when we're offering hospitality, to pay attention to the person in front of us, to notice who they are, to listen to their stories, to share in their joys and their sorrows, as well as caring for their needs. Most of all, this week, let's renew our commitment to wait on God, to be attentive to the presence of Christ in our midst, to prioritise our willingness to learn from Jesus and to live out his calling on our lives. Amen.